Hey, writers, join our first draft weekly writers club. We meet every Tuesday from 12 to 1 Eastern time. For more information, go to writingclassradio.com and click on the classes tab. I'm Allison Langer. I'm Andrea Askowitz. This is Writing Class Radio. You'll hear true personal stories and learn a little bit about how to write your own stories. Together, we produce this podcast, which is equal parts heart and art. By heart, we mean the truth in a story. By art, we mean the craft of writing. No matter what's going on in our lives, writing class is where we tell the truth. It's where we work out our shit. There's no place in the world like writing class, and we want to bring you in. Hey, this is Allison. Before we get to the episode, I want to ask a favor. If you love this podcast, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, then share us with your friends. We love expanding our community, and only you can make that happen. So do it. Today on our show, we're featuring an essay by Sharon Rothberg, who uses a philosophical concept to work out her feelings about the death of her daughter-in-law. I think what's so interesting is that this story really shows how writing helps people figure out things we really can't understand. We talk about that all the time, but it's true, and this narrator really proves that point. Sharon is a former writing class radio student and one of my favorite storytellers. Mine too. I know. I love her. Get her back in class. I'm begging. I'm going to beg too. She'll read her story after the break. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. I'm Allison Langer, and every Tuesday from 12 to 1 Eastern Time, I host First Draft. It's a class, kinda, because you'll get a little bit of instruction, but mostly it's a group where you come together with other writers online, write to a prompt and share what you wrote. It's the only way to get better. Come join me. Check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com or go to patreon.com slash writingclassradio to learn more. We're back. This is Writing Class Radio. I'm Andrea Askowitz. Here's Sharon Rothberg reading her story, It's About Time. Marty and I have been married for 57 years. It probably comes as no surprise to any of you who are married that we have had the exact same arguments about the exact same things for 57 years. Our main argument is always about time. Great minds have been theorizing about time since the beginning of time. In the 17th century, Isaac Newton thought that the universe had a built-in clock that ticked off identical seconds. Then, in the 20th century, Albert Einstein theorized that time is relative. Marty comes down on the Newtonian side of time. He believes time is fixed, 
immovable, regular, and should be held in great respect. I'm with Einstein. See, I'm a Southern girl, born and raised in North Carolina. To me, time moves slowly, moseying along, until suddenly, out of nowhere, you've run out of it. Marty has spent a lifetime on a schedule and trying to get me on a schedule. For years, he's been tapping his foot in the living room, ready to leave for a dinner party, calling to me, Sharon, where in the heck are you? What are you doing in there? We're going to be late. Thanks to Marty, we are never late. Usually, we're the first ones there. Several years ago, we were invited to my Cuban co-worker's wedding at Church of the Little Flower in Coral Gables. The invitation said 11 a.m. So we arrived at 10.45, Marty time. We thought we were late because the wedding was already in progress. We tiptoed into the back of the church and sat down. Then I realized, it's a different bride. Oh my God, I thought, we're at the wrong church. We couldn't leave in the middle of the ceremony, so we sat there until the wedding ended and the bride's family began taking down the decorations. Then my co-worker's family arrived with their decorations. You get the picture. The 11 a.m. wedding started around noon, and the right bride finally walked down the aisle on perfect Cuban time. Marty is a doctor. For 34 years, his days were all the same. He woke up before 6 a.m., made hospital rounds at 7, got to the office by 8.30, His days were divided into 15-minute segments of one patient after another. He got so used to being on a rigid schedule that even our vacations became tightly planned. In the summer of 1983, in the space of just 17 days, our family drove 7,263 miles round trip in the family car to see the great national parks of the West, all 13 of them. I kept a detailed log of this trip, written on the iPad of the day, otherwise known as a yellow legal pad. A few weeks ago, I came across our long forgotten log tucked in among the pages of a faded photo album from the trip. Here are the opening sentences. 5.13 a.m. To save time, we bring Dunkin' Donuts and coffee in the car for breakfast. 5.13 and 15 seconds. Disaster strikes. As we back out of our driveway, the fuzz buster slides off the dashboard and knocks over my coffee cup, spilling hot coffee all over me. Marty refuses to let me go back into the house to clean up because, and this is a quote, 
We're on a tight schedule here. 739 miles and 13 hours later, we stopped for the night in Mobile, Alabama. Finally, I change into clean clothes. In 2008, Marty retired. I was hoping for leisurely days and a nice trip to an exciting destination every year or so. Marty wanted to fly somewhere in the world every few months. He said, we should see these places while we still have time. Exactly one week after we came home to Miami from Australia, our son Michael called from Bethesda. His 39-year-old wife, our beautiful daughter-in-law Dana, was sick. We needed to come right away to help with their two little boys, eight and five. Marty and I packed the car and drove to Maryland. The prognosis was terrible. Cancer, stage four and incurable. 15 months later, on May 22nd, Dana's time on this earth ran out. I've been thinking a lot lately about the meaning of time. Is there time before we are born and after we die? These thoughts led me back to Einstein. I came across the condolence letter Einstein wrote to his best friend's widow. Speaking of his friend, Einstein said, in quitting this strange world, he has once again preceded me by just a little That doesn't mean anything. The distinction between past, present, and future is only an illusion, however persistent. Maybe Einstein's right. Maybe time is just a fantasy people try to harness with watches and clocks. I can't claim to understand what time means, but... I can try to imagine a realm without the constraints of time. In that realm, it is possible that all the millions of molecules that danced and sang and laughed and cried on this earth as Dana still exist somewhere in the cosmos. That idea comforts me. Oh my God, can I go first? Please. Uh, I, I, first of all, I love her voice like crazy. I love this woman. I love everything about it. I love the structure of the story. I love the way she made meaning at the end. It wasn't just this terrible situation. Then we understand why she's taken us down this whole thing about time, time and the husband and the whole thing. You know, she really shows us 
how she's lived her life for these 57 years with a husband who is totally like time, 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 time. And she's like casual thinking time is forever. And then this thing happens with her daughter-in-law and it just wrecks her world. And she has to really start wondering like, wow, what does time mean? Where do we find our place? And I just love where she comes to with Einstein and that it's just relative basically, but also Oh, so many things I loved. I'm going to let you go before I, I steal all the, the airtime. But um, that time is only a, an illusion, however persistent. And I was like, who can't relate to that? I agree with you 100%. I feel like this is one of those stories that makes me like so happy to be in this world of storytelling. It's brilliant. One of the things that we talk about all the time on Writing Class Radio is a great story is equal parts heart and art. And I feel like this story, it's an art piece. I know that you think I'm so goofy when I talk about stories like art, but honestly, in my mind, this is an exquisite sculpture. It's gorgeous. It also has heart. It has an emotional undertone. It's She's vulnerable. That's the hard part. But it is so well crafted. I just can't eat. It blows me away. Yeah. It makes me. Uh. Okay. One question I have about the art of this story for you is maybe two thirds of the story, the very beginning of the story, the whole beginning of the story until the very end was about time. Then she tells us that her daughter-in-law's time ran out. Did that bother you? Like, did it, I mean, the way that we talk about stories sometimes is like, there was no lead in. It really was a surprise. And it was like this funny story about marriage for most of it. And then it became something else. And were you okay with that? I was okay with that. Although I do think that the marriage part and their travels and their trips was top heavy compared to that. But the story's not necessarily about her daughter, right? It's just what happened to her daughter that proved her point which is why it worked for me. Because if it was about her daughter, then I would have been like, well, why did we hear all this stuff about your marriage and your husband? Her daughter-in-law, I'm sorry. But it wasn't. I feel like she did something that we would advise against, but she did it so well that there is no way to, to dispute the structure. Also because it kind of raises the stakes because you fall in love with this woman. I mean, who doesn't fall in love with these lines? Like, she's a Carolina girl. She moves slowly until time runs out. Um, you know, just the whole thing that they sit through this entire wedding, this stranger's wedding. I would have been like, fuck this, I'm out of here. Like, I would have never sat through that. I'd be like, sorry, guys, wrong wedding. You know, like, boom. And then the iPad, iPad of the day is a yellow legal pad. I mean, how cute is that? And then the woman, back to the wedding, the woman arrived on perfect Cuban time. Like this sweet, like lady with her landing all her jokes like so well. And then um, the fuzz buster. <laughs> and then she quotes her husband, we're on a tight schedule here. And he makes her freaking ride all those miles drenched in coffee. Yeah, I, if she puts up with that, I would have been like, and then I said, and then he said, like, I, you know, but that so wasn't necessary because obviously it wasn't about that. Right. So she zones in and then gets back to the point. So she perfect went off tangent perfectly. She only went off on a tangent that was 100% relevant. 
Uh, one of the things that you just mentioned is that she like landed her jokes. I want to put that in a slightly different way. I feel like she used the language of time over and over again. Like yeah. perfect Cuban time. Dana's time ran out. We still have time. She, yeah, the Southern lady time moseys along until suddenly you've run out of it. Every time she quoted Marty, he was like, <laughs> we're going to be late. Every yeah. time, he we want to only- see these places and um, while we still have time. time. That was perfect. She never strayed. That's why I think this is perfectly structured. It's like a perfectly whittled down piece of wood. I could also talk about how um, the details are so specific and so brilliant. And right away, those details made me trust her. Like the 17 days, the 7,263 miles round trip when they went to the national parks, all 13 of them. I'm just like, okay, this this narrator knows what she's talking about. And I'm going to trust everything she says. Um, The other thing, there's just so much I love about it. Oh, my God. I mean, this is maybe, they've been married 57 years. Come on. (laughs) It's crazy cool. I'm bowing right now. You can't see me, but I'm bowing. I mean, am I allowed to say how I know this woman? I will. Can I? Yeah, why not? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So Sharon Rothberg is my brother's wife's mom. So she's my brother's mother-in-law. And basically, she's kind of my mother-in-law. I mean, she's not my mother-in-law, but she's like my aunt. I mean, she is a really close family relative because we see them all the time because we have this really close family they have this marriage that I just envy I just love Sharon and Marty together but one thing I want to say about um, Sharon and why I mentioned that I know her is because several years ago she was my student and she came to class and she didn't just write this story she also wrote another story that was that got published in a prestigious medical journal remember and it was about I love that story it was about the heart Her broken heart, like after her daughter died, she suffered from a a real broken heart. And I've been begging Sharon to come back to class because here, you see, because she's brilliant, because I really want her to come back to class. And she has told me, well, you know what? I needed to write these stories. I needed to write this story. And that that was enough. Like, she's done. And I so smart. What so the smart. fuck? The rest of us are like pounding the keyboard every day trying to get published and making ourselves crazy. And she got in and got out. God bless her. But um, it also makes me I, it's also like a, a great lesson in that she needed to figure out something that is so impossible to figure out, which is the untimely death of her beloved daughter in law. And she used philosophy she was what is time what this is a whole contemplation of time which like the great minds of the world have been discussing as she said since the beginning of time and she that's what she used to come to terms or to come to some kind of understanding about something that makes no fucking sense and i want to also bring up what the the episode that we aired last two weeks ago are you talking about the golden state warrior yeah Uh, yeah yeah Yeah, Yeah. so Jackie Ashton also, they just like, I feel like, you know, there's another way of thinking about stories is like, there's a pearl inside and there's like, aren't pearls made because the clam like keeps turning it over and over because there's sand and whatever. Yeah, there's a piece of sand and and it needs to like circle around, the pearl needs to circle around until it's beautiful. And that's what I think both of these narrators had to do. They had to like make that perfect pearl by either using an obsession 
or in Sharon Rothberg's case, like some kind of philosophical notion that she was trying to figure out. So I want to emphasize this thing, and I know that you're going to support me on this, is that a lot of people would have ended too early this story. They end with the the bad situation. Now my daughter's my daughter-in-law has died. Boom, the end. Okay, no, that's not the end of the story. That's the end of the situation here. She really then jumps into making meaning of what this entire story is about, which is so satisfying. You know, at the end she says, 15 months later, Dana's time on this earth ran out. Her next paragraph is, I've been thinking. And right away, now we're going to see what this whole thing meant to her. And without that, it would have been like, wait, what? No. And often we get these great stories. They're written and they're these great situations and the writing is so clear and so good. And then the end is just not there. So it's very important to make sure that you're making meaning of your story for the reader or the listener. Thank you, Sharon Rothberg, for sharing your story. And thank you for listening. A version of this story was previously performed live on stage at Lip Service in Miami. This episode of Writing Class Radio is produced by Virginia Laura, Allison Langer, and me, Andrea Askowitz. Theme music by Justina Chandler. Additional music by... There's more Writing Class on our website, writingclassradio.com. There's stories to study, video classes, and editing resources. If you love the lessons you get on each episode, you can get them all in one place on our three-part video series for just $50. Click video classes on our website. If you want to be a part of the movement that helps people better understand each other through storytelling, follow us on Patreon. For $10 a month, I will answer all your publishing questions. For $25 a month, you can join Allison's first draft weekly writers group. That is the coolest group in the world. You write to a prompt and share your work. That meets Tuesdays 12 to 1 Eastern every week. At the $25 level, you get that class, plus you get to ask me all your publishing questions. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash writingclassradio. A new episode will drop every other Wednesday. There's no better way to understand ourselves and each other than by writing and sharing our stories. Everyone has a story. What's yours? Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many roads that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com.